encourage you to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. That's going to be the scripture that we study together, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The next few weeks, we're going to be doing a brief sermon series entitled, We Walk by Faith. And I'm excited to dig into 2 Corinthians 5, a great passage of scripture, and do a, really a deep dive over the next few weeks together. If you are a guest, a newcomer who is worshiping with us today, we want to draw your attention to our guest registration cards. These are located throughout our sanctuary in the backs of the pews. So wherever you're seated, if you just look to the pew back in front of you, you'll find one of these. We encourage you to take that, and then when you leave today, on your way out, if you'll just drop it in the offering boxes that are in the foyer, or... You can take out your device. You can go on your mobile phone to our website. If you're joining us online this morning, you can just simply navigate over to our website as well, fbcchickasha.org slash connect, slash connect. And if you go there, there's an online web form that you can fill out. It's essentially the same information as this printed card, but we would encourage you to go to the website fill out that form or simply fill out that card and leave it with us today. And later in our service this morning, we're going to be pointing out some of the announcements and things in our worship guide. But there's one thing in particular I want to go ahead and draw your attention to. I'm going to mention it now. I'm going to mention it again at the close of the service as well today because we just want this to be something that does not fly under your radar in any way. And that is that today we are receiving nominations for deacons to serve our body as deacon, men to be ordained and serve in our deacon body. And so we're receiving nominations from the membership of our church. So if you're a member of First Baptist Church, then we would encourage you to prayerfully submit up to three names of men who are not already ordained as deacons who might be added into our deacon body to serve and and ultimately be ordained by our church to serve as deacons at First Baptist Church. There's a list of our ordained deacons on the backside of that. I want to encourage you, this is meant to be something that is, that is, uh, well, it's serious. It's something that we take seriously, that we pray about. We want to encourage you to pray over this, not to, not to just grab a list and, and fill out the names of three people that you know the best or, uh, or even the names of three people that you just think, well, it's about time or, or that sort of thing, but prayerfully consider that. And, and the reason is really twofold. One, uh, this, is a, this is a serious matter because we're, we're following what the Scripture has instructed us to do as a church, and so we want to take that seriously. We want to we honor that command of Scripture to follow these things and practice as a church what the New Testament lays out to be the practices of the New Testament church. And secondly, the reason that we, that we want to take that seriously and, and, and prayerfully even is because this is not meant to be a, a, a popularity contest. It's not meant to be a beauty pageant. That's not the way that the, the, the ministry and the service of uh, the deacon are to, to work. And, and so we want to honor that process. I'll say this as well. There are ballots in the foyer where you receive the worship guides where you picked one up. If you didn't come through that way for whatever reason, well then that's where they are. They're on the table in the foyer this morning. We would encourage you to grab one. I've got a few with me up here, but by and large, we've got lots of them in the back. And, and let me also say that if you are here today and and you just haven't given this any thought yet and, and you want to be a participant in that process, it's okay. Take a ballot with you, go home and pray about it this week, and then submit it to us. We would just encourage you to do that 
by next Sunday at the absolute latest, okay? To prayerfully consider that and, and submit that to us so that we can move forward with that, all right? So I'm going to mention that again during the offering time, but I wanted to highlight that in a special way before we jump into the passage of Scripture we're going to study this morning. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, I have this vivid memory of being on my driveway shooting hoops at my house where I grew up, and I'm, and I'm shooting baskets, and I'm out there by myself, and I'm practicing my, I don't know, practicing my jump shot, practicing my turnaround fadeaway jump shot, or, you know, some move that was intended to be like maybe my signature move, right? And as I'm doing that, I specifically remember in my mind kind of walking through the steps of a process that would be necessary in order for me to get from my driveway to the NBA someday. And so I was, as I'm daydreaming, as I'm shooting hoops, mapping out a plan of what I needed to do to get from my driveway to the NBA. Well, there, I suppose, were any number of holes in my plan, not the least of which was just my, my uh, physical stature, right? I mean, the fact that uh, I was clearly not built to play in the NBA. There, I mean, that, that's not even saying anything about that jump shot that I was working on or any of the rest of it, right? But there, no doubt, there was, uh, there was a tension that existed between reality and my desire, there was, uh, you might even say, a considerable deficit between my reality and, and my desires. And the truth is that in our lives, we live with those deficits in a lot of ways. We, we all understand the tension between what I want and what I have, what I wish would be and what is in reality. And it's into a situation like that that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's offering these words that we're going to study together today. It's into a situation sort of like that, that he's speaking this word of truth. And, and we're going to look at that this week and the next few weeks. And essentially, if I can just kind of get us into the particular verses we're going to study today, which are chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, it centers around this idea of faith, living by faith, or even as he says, walking by faith. And so faith is the key. When we think about, well, how do I live? How do I wrestle with the tension between what is and what I wished would be? The, the reality and the desire. And the answer, of course, is that we would live by faith, that we would walk by faith. But what does that mean? What does it mean for us to walk by faith? What does it mean for us to have our lives shaped by, or maybe even we would say centered around our faith. That's what we're going to look at in depth today and the next few weeks as we understand what it means to take to heart these words that Paul writes to the church here, that we walk by faith and not by sight. What does it mean for us to walk by faith? Well, in order to answer that question, we first have to just simply consider what is faith? What is faith, really? If you were to, if you were to define, if you were to give me a definition, a, a simple definition, maybe even a working definition of faith, what would you say? Think about that for a moment. How would you simply define faith? 
I would, I, would, I would confess that there are perhaps much more robust and much more, uh, much more detailed explanations. But I think a simple way to understand faith is to see it as trust in action. When we trust in God and we, and we take action on the basis of that trust, that's really what faith looks like. Uh, if, if we want to pare it down even more than that, I think there's really probably another word that encapsulates that in, in a lot of ways would be the word obedience. And I don't mean to say that faith and obedience are precisely the same thing, but we really can't obey without faith, right? I mean, it takes a measure of faith in order to obey. And so simply and, and succinctly, I think that we can think of faith as trust that we put in to action. Maybe you've seen someone illustrate faith before along simple lines like saying, well, when you, when you sit down, you trust this morning when you sat in the pew, you trusted that that pew was going to hold you up. And so you probably didn't even think about it. Maybe you did. Maybe you've had some bad experiences with church pews that I don't know about, but probably when you sat down in the pew a moment ago, you just sat down. It was time. The song was over. Doug had prayed. I was walking up to the stage. And so you just took your seat and you trusted that the pew was going to hold you up, that it was going to be there. Have you ever been in a situation where you, you went to sit down and someone pulled the chair out from behind you? What happens the next time you sit down? You look really well before you go to take a seat, right? More than that, you probably put your hand on the chair and get a pretty good grasp of it even before you, you take that step because there are events, there are things that can happen that disrupt that trust that we have. But faith is when we take action on our trust. Well, Paul writes to the church here and, and the church is in a situation where they're wrestling through some of this tension, some of this reality. In fact, in the verses just before where we're going to pick up this morning, we're, we're starting in verse 6, but in the verses just before that, Paul is dealing with the idea of this earthly physical body and the fact that, that there are limitations that we have in this body and there are longings that we have for things to be right. There are longings that we have for all the pains and all the problems of life to go away, and yet we know that while we are in this tent, as he describes it, this human body, while we are at home in this present moment, in this present reality, we need to walk by faith. And so it's into that situation, and really we could say in many ways, into our situation, our lives, and what we've been going through the last six months that we see this passage this morning. Let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. He writes, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We know that there's coming a day when we will be present with our Savior face to face. But in the meantime, in the moments between now and then, we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith shapes our lives profoundly as Christians, as believers. 
Our faith shapes everything about we, who we are. It shapes our identity. It shapes our understanding. It shapes our expectations. It shapes our worship. It shapes so many things in our lives. But there are three things in, in particular in this passage that he addresses that I want us to see how our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are shaped or to be shaped by faith. And so let's look at these three things together. The first one we see is this. Faith shapes your walk. Faith shapes your walk. If I were to say to you those words, we walk by faith, you would almost inevitably, I imagine, you would finish that with the, 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 the following phrase, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning that there are plenty of times in life when we don't know what lies around the corner. We don't know what is ahead of us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't fully control, much less fully uh, anticipate what's going to happen in, in the days, in the weeks, in the months to come. Case in point, who among us had any inkling on January 1st of 2020 that what you have been through in the last nine months would have been your reality. I preached a sermon series in the month of January that was all about vision, about seeing God's vision, seeing God's direction. We were playing on the idea of 2020 vision, having, having 2020 vision. And when we were launching into this year, there was absolutely no idea of what was coming in the future, right? All the things, all the ways, and you've seen the memes, you've shared the, 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 the jokes on Facebook, you've talked about it. With, we all know at this point, it's well rehearsed, what a weird, what an odd year it's been. And lest we, uh, I, I guess, uh, curse ourselves as if that is even true, right? But I mean, unless we, we, none of us at this point dare try to guess what bad thing might happen next because it's almost surely going to be worse than whatever we would guess might happen, right? What, uh, no matter what we might say, it's almost assuredly going to be worse, it seems. I don't really believe that we curse ourselves. Hear me on that, okay? That's not what I mean. But you understand that, you understand, we've all felt that this year. It's been the oddest, the weirdest year, and yet, in the midst of these moments in life, when, when our reality reminds us that control is an illusion, we are forced to walk by faith and not by sight. We're forced to walk, as it were, trusting in God, following him, seeking his guidance and his direction. But you know, I think it's important to understand that you can't walk by faith until you have faith. You can't walk by faith in Christ until you have trusted by faith in Christ. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to trust in him? Well, it means that you would turn from your sin in obedience to the Lord. It means that you would trust God for the forgiveness of your sin. You would trust his promise to forgive you, to cleanse you, to redeem you from your sin, and that you would take action, that you would act upon what the word of God says, that you would act upon the work of the spirit of God, calling out by faith to Jesus and trusting him for the promise of forgiveness. You can't walk by faith 
until you have that saving faith. So it's important that we would trust Jesus by faith. And not only that we would trust him by faith in as much as we, as we turn to him for the forgiveness of our sins, but that we turn to him each and every day of our lives saying, Lord, would you direct me today? God, would you guide me? Lord, would you lead my steps into the future? The simplest way I know to illustrate this, and I've shared this you, before many times. You've heard me say this, no doubt, if you've been around our church the last 10 years. But it, it truly is the simplest way that I know to illustrate the matter is think of it like driving at night. When you drive at night, you can't see everything that's happening around you the way that you do in the daytime. You only see what your headlights illuminate. And that's enough, isn't it? It's enough to go that far. And once you've gone that far, then the lights are going to show you a little more. And it's enough to go a little further and a little further and so on. In the daytime, it might seem like you can see all around you. And now we know there are limits to what you can see even in the daytime. But nonetheless, your vision is not hindered by the darkness. But at night, you've got to trust your headlights. You've got to trust what you see and, and you've got to take action based on what you see and what's in front of you. Walking by faith with Jesus is much like that. You have to trust him with what he has shown you and you've got to take action on that. It's not going to be everything that's happening. You're not going to see all of life and all of reality and all of your future and everything that's to come. By the way, if you were to see that somehow, I really believe it would be paralyzing because it would, it would strike us with fear to know all the things that we don't know. I think it's one of God's good graces in our lives, as a matter of fact, that we only see what we see. We only know what we know. We, I don't think we were designed, I don't think we were created or made to comprehend what God knows. And yet, in his grace, he shows us enough. It's enough to go that far. It's enough to walk into the light, to use that illustration, and follow his direction for our lives. So we turn from our sin, we trust God, we take action. In order to walk by faith, you must place your faith in Jesus. Secondly, we see that faith shapes your witness, it shapes your witness, which is to say your story, your testimony, even your very identity of who you are and how you see yourself. Look at verse six. He writes that we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And then if you jump to verse eight, yes, he repeats it again here. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, we take courage in this moment. We take courage in this present reality. We wish that we were with Jesus. That's what it means to, that's what it means to be at home with him, right? But while we are at home here in this moment, while we are at home on this earth, separated from the Lord, at least separated in the sense that we are not physically in the presence of Jesus. We know that we're never alone by God's Holy Spirit whom he has given to us, but that's a different sermon, I suppose, for a different day. But we know that while we are in this present moment in this reality, on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, however you want to view that, we know that there are, there are pains, there are problems, there are troubles, there are trials, there are things that we face and how we face those, ultimately, how we walk through those situations in life becomes our witness. 
It becomes our story, our testimony of what the Lord is doing, what he has done, what he's going to be doing in our lives. Last week, Doug preached a great sermon about how we are to do all things through the power of Christ and we're to trust God the Father and we're to listen to and follow the leadership of the Spirit. You can go back and find that on our, our website. You can, um, you can go back on our, our, our Facebook page. It'll be posted. It's a great message that you need to listen to. And the point of what he was saying last week really dovetails into this. Whatever God is doing in your life is a part of your testimony. It's a part of your story. It's your, it's your witness. It's your witness. And we are called to bear witness to Christ. Your witness matters because the world around you is watching. Your witness matters because the world around you is watching. A little earlier, we celebrated Brad's five-year anniversary. I remember coming to Chickasha uh, almost 10 years ago. This winter will be 10 years that that I've been here and been your pastor. And almost 10 years ago, I remember moving to Chickasha and the very first Sunday that we were here, this is no lie, the very first Sunday that we were here after lunch, we went to Mazio's. We didn't see anyone that we knew from the church at Mazio's for lunch that day. And we got to church that Sunday night and two different people, completely independent of each other, said, hey, how was Mazio's for lunch today? We were like... What are you talking about? We didn't see you at Mazio's. Oh yeah, no, but we saw your car there. And we thought to ourselves, what have we done? Where have we moved? You live in a small town. You know that, right? I live in a small town too now. I've adjusted to that life. And in fact, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about Chickasha, the community that we share with each other. But you know what? Sometimes in a small town, you get the feeling that everyone knows everything that's going on. Some months after that, we were having Disciple Now. We were going to be having Disciple Now at our house. And this particular Disciple Now, there were going to be kids from our church from first and kids from College Heights who were going to be in our home together. And so we were hosting a group of girls. Elizabeth Allen was going to be the leader in our home. And we were going to have this group of girls who I think were maybe ninth graders at the time. I don't exactly remember. And, and some of them even from another church. And as the days got closer and closer to Disciple Now, Jared never said anything. Jared Lee, our youth pastor in those days, never said anything to me about like, hey, you, you know, the directions to the house or anything. And so I went into him like a, a couple days, maybe even the day of Disciple Now. And I said, hey, I've never, I've never seen any maps to our house. Like, do I, am, am I responsible for trying to communicate to people where we live? And he goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. Everybody knows where you live. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's how it works, right? Sometimes in a small town, it feels like everyone knows what's going on with you. And everybody knows where you live. And everybody knows where you eat lunch. And everybody knows what's happening in your life. I don't need to tell you that the world is watching. And yet... I'm going to tell you that the world is watching and your witness matters because the world is watching you. They want to know, is your faith real? They want to know when the pressure is on, do you really respond in the way that a Christian should respond? They want to know, do you really believe this stuff that you say you believe? 
And when the heat is turned up in life and those moments happen, they want to they see, and, and quite honestly, in many cases, the, the unbelieving world around us is going to judge Christian faith, not so much by a Bible that perhaps they aren't prepared to read, but rather by reading you and your life and your witness. Your witness matters because the world is watching. Faith shapes your walk. Faith shapes your witness. Finally, we see in this passage that faith shapes your work. Faith should shape your work. Look at what he says in verse 9. Whether we're at home or away, meaning here or there in whatever, wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we're in, we make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him. It is our aim to please the Lord. Why? Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. Christian, do you understand? Do you know? You will stand before Christ in judgment someday for what you've done in this life, whether good or evil. Now, your salvation is secure. If you've trusted in Jesus by faith, your salvation is secure in Christ. But we will still give an account to our Savior, to our Lord someday, for what we do in this life, for what we do with what we have been given, what we have been entrusted. Your work, as it were, and that's the things that you do. That's what I mean here. And that could be your, your vocation, your job, but could also just be, any, it could be the thing, literally anything that you do. The thing that you put your hand to, the work that you do in life matters. So we make it our aim to please him. And hear me on this. Your work, let me say it even this way, your life's work so that you're not confusing. It doesn't have to just be, again, your, your actual job. Your life's work is your worship. I love coming together on Sunday mornings. I love when we sing together. I love hearing you sing where I stand in, in the front of the sanctuary here on the front row. It's like, it's like a wall of praise just coming to me. I, I, I'm, I can't imagine what a pleasing sacrifice that must be when our voices lift our songs toward heaven and, and the Lord hears that and we know he receives it as a fragrant offering. The scriptures are clear. I love hearing that. But as much as I love hearing us sing, as much as I love gathering together for corporate worship, the truth is what we do in this place is just a fraction, just a very small part of our worship. Our worship really is the lives that we lead every day outside of this place. And what you do with all those other minutes and hours and days and weeks and all the rest of the time that you spend outside of this place, that's your worship. How you live for the Lord, what you do, your work, your life's work is how you worship. May we be able to say, even as Paul does, we make it our aim to please him. Notice that he does not say here, we make it our aim to be perfect Notice that he does not say that we make it our aim to be good because goodness is not the standard or we would all be in trouble. Perfection certainly is not the standard or 
or we're toast, frankly. It's not going to work. Instead, our aim is to please him. God in his grace is patient. He's long-suffering. He's willing to, to offer mercy each morning to us. He's there when we stumble and fall. And the aim for us is not perfection, but health, spiritual health, that we would be healthy, that we would please him by, by growing in, in our faith, by growing in our trust, by walking by faith and not by sight, by taking those steps of action, by developing the kind of witness that a world around us would look at us and see Jesus in us, by living the kind of lives where our work and the things that we do, our worship that we offer to him daily as a, as a living sacrifice is our lives being surrendered to him. Your work is how you worship. And just so that you're clear, Someday, we will all stand before Jesus and give an account for what we have done and how we have worked, how we have worshipped in this life. None of us would dare stand before Almighty God and say, well, I mean, I was good enough. I did. But may we, any of us, be able to stand before him and say, I trusted by faith in your son, Jesus. I, I walked by faith and not by sight. I did everything I could to use my witness for you, to, to use my life's effort, my, my, my gifts, my abilities, my story, my resources, all of it for your kingdom, your glory. And I sought every day to lay my life at the altar and make myself a living sacrifice that was pleasing unto you. That's what it means to work, as it were, so that our lives are worship. Faith shapes your walk. Faith shapes your witness. Faith shapes your work. So really, the question then that we all must consider today is this. Are you living by faith? Are you living by faith? Have you trusted Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? I'll remind you what I've said already. You can't walk by faith until you have faith, faith in Christ, until you have trusted in him by faith, which is to call on Jesus, to turn from your sin, to trust God's promises, to take action by taking that bold step, offering your life to him, asking him to forgive you, cleanse your sins, to set you free. Are you walking by faith? In a moment, we're gonna move into a time of response, a time of invitation. And in our time of invitation today, if the Lord is stirring your heart that you've never trusted in Jesus by faith, then I would encourage you that you would make today the day that you would, that you would surrender your life to him. You can do that simply by coming forward. Our staff will be here at the front ready to, ready to receive you, ready to lead you in a, in a prayer of faith where you might surrender your life to Christ. Perhaps if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on you this morning impressing upon you something specific perhaps that you need to do in order that your witness, that your work might truly be shaped by faith, then we would encourage you that you would make this the moment where you would respond in obedience. There's that word again, right? You would respond in obedience to him, trusting God and putting that trust into action as you take steps of obedience. And so when we sing that song together in a moment, that's going to be your moment. That's going to be your opportunity to take action, 
and take those steps of faith that you might walk my faith and not my sight. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful.